Hey, you're listening to Innovators Can Laugh, the fun startup podcast. I'm your host, Eric Melcher. On ICL, we interview an innovative entrepreneur in the European tech startup scene every week. My goal is to have my guests share their wisdom while having a little fun in the process. Now let's dive in. Salut Claudio, sun ukuta setavad she saw what the best desperate. Nice yeah. to see you in this environment. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And for yeah. those for those that don't know, my guest today is Claudio Descalesco. He's the chief chief growth marketer for Archbee. Archbee is backed by y, y Combinator. It's a tool that allows you to easily and quickly document product documents, APIs, and SDKs. They've got around 400 customers and are projected to reach about $2 million in USD and revenue for 2023. Claudio has held business development roles and data analyst roles at UiPath and IBM. Claudio, welcome to Innovators Can Laugh. Thank you. Great to, to meet you, Eric. Yeah. So I want to jump into a couple of your hobbies real quick because I find them fascinating. First one is jujitsu and uh, the second one is chess. So when did you get into these? Were you, were you kind of nudged mm. by your parents to get into them or, or did you just, were you interested <laughs> by yourself? Uh, interesting question. So probably for chess, somehow the parents kind of guided me, but not in the way you would expect. But I've discovered it late. I mean, I started doing it for, you know, everything closed down, but it was later in my life. And I realized like, it's a great way. I mean, for jujitsu, you either look at it as a physical exercise or, you know, as a spiritual thing, just because, you know, it has so much history or just a way to, you know, fight. <laughs> It has so many angles you can look at it. So it's great to do that. But chess, actually, I, my father and I were playing chess at one point and he was just, you know, winning game after game. And I just decided like, okay, I need to do something about this. <laughs> so I went to a, a school, a chess school by myself. Uh -huh. And the teacher said like, yeah, I don't think you're, you're too old for this. I was... 10 years old or something. Usually you start chess a lot earlier. In, oh, this was, you know, this was a physical two. school. This wasn't online. Yeah. This, no, okay. no, no, no. I was 10 years old. I went okay. to, you know, my local chess school. Okay. And the teacher said like, you're too old. We usually start with kids at five years old and, you know, we try to make them grandmasters and stuff like that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, but can I join? Yeah, whatever. And he didn't pay attention to me. And in one year, I was actually one of the better ones at the school, just because okay. I was, you know, probably I had the motivation. I wanted to yeah. <laughs> go back and win some some rounds with, with my father and other people that I was playing with. I was just, you know, brutally beaten. I, I had... I was playing with a, with the person and they had like, I think 50 wins over me and I had zero. And I was like, this, this cannot continue. <laughs> well, the person, was it adult or was it an older kid? Yeah, yeah, an older kid, actually. You know, I was playing with my father and with this older kid. Uh, okay. Those are, were my opponents. But after okay. that, I went into chess professional. I took it for about five years or so. Actually, more than five, six or seven. But what after that, I went to college. Yeah. What do you mean professional? Like at a certain age, do you go and you, you say, I'm going to play in these professional tournaments and they have to look at your, your background and let you in and say, okay, now he's a I professional. Had, I had, you know, a card that was saying I had pay intuition or something to the club. <laughs> okay. And okay. I was going to, I, I went to two or, th two or three professional tournaments, chess okay. tournaments, right? Okay. One, I won one, but it was a small local one. The other yeah. ones, I didn't do that great. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, is that card get you any uh, any discounts? Like, can you go to a bar and say tell the bartender like, "Hey, 
You're looking at a professional chess player. See my card right here? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> no. no. Doesn't do no. anything for you. I actually didn't show it to anybody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, Probably that's why I don't know about the discounts. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Well, I would think maybe if you're like in the passport line trying to get into another country, you know, there's this long line and you tell the security agent, hey professional chess player right here gray master <laughs> yeah it didn't work for me <laughs> okay okay all right just, just thought i thought i'd say okay hey so i also saw something interesting on your blog here and you, you said that it's important to read at least one book about manipulation i wonder if you can expand on that and what book would you recommend for people to read and why when it comes to manipulation you did your research so I would just recommend the book that I highlighted in, in, the, in the article. It's a Romanian book, Everything About Manipulation, I think is the title. But the background story for that article is that I was reading that book when I was in college. So I had a roommate that didn't read anything. I mean, he was that type of person, wasn't into reading, right? So I finished the book, put it somewhere in the, in the room. We were sharing dorm room. And he picked it up, started reading it. And while reading it, he was mind blown about you know, what he was reading there, you know, about the strategies and how things work. And he, yeah. he was like, wow, like this changes my life. And I was like, yeah, it does, right? <laughs> you should read more. <laughs> and that's why I, I, know I wanted to put this into writing, you know, yeah. just to have, have something to go back to and remember this story. I, I, I found it really powerful when I saw it was the reaction, you know, I, I wouldn't expect from, from that guy to, to, what's this guy you know, doing right now? Is he like this master criminal or is he an honest <laughs> person with integrity? What, what's going on with him? The latter, I think an honest person. I think he got, mar got married and he moved back to his hometown and he's being manipulated as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'll probably lose a lot of my listen listeners here if I say this. So let me try to put it in the most political, friendly way as possible. I look at my son and my daughter, right? My daughter's three. My son is five and a half. And she's already starting to kind of like not manipulate him. But I feel like for girls, it just comes sort of natural and instinctively. And it, manipulation is not the right word, but to be, able, to be able to like get daddy to do what I want. Him. You know, she does it in such a way where she hugs me and she'll kiss me and she'll ask for my son. It's more about the straight up ask. And then he throws a fit and he gets all angry about it. Right. Yeah. So I feel like the women in general have like just uh, by nature, just by, just by nature itself, have this leg up on us when it comes to Again, lack of a better word, manipulation, okay? What was the name of this book that you, you wrote about? I guess, is there a Romanian translation for the name of the book? Yeah, it's Totul Despre Manipulare, Bogdan Ficek, I think, is okay. the author. But yeah, that's that's basically the book. It's it's like a small two hours uh, reading. Okay. It's okay. great. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to talk about another book that, and it's not necessarily a book, but I think it was a case study you read about product-led growth. And this book had sort of a really big impact on you, or at least on the way that you were trying to grow ArchB and perhaps some other companies that you worked for. And you were telling the story and many of us that were there found it really fascinating. I read the story. I shared it with a few of my colleagues that I work with, and it seemed like, hey, this is sort of simple, but it's ingenious at the same time. And uh, what would be your recommendation You know, for people who are looking to try to find who is their ideal ICP and mm -hmm. uh, how can they grow faster using this method? So I guess first talk about what is it and then uh, how, how would you utilize it? Yeah, so I've... I've read a lot of things. I have, I think I have a unique position. I just realized this. <laughs> I've basically joined a startup 
after it was recently founded and while going through Y Combinator as the first hire. And the first hire was a marketing hire. So <laughs> kind of a unique position I found. Which means you're doing like 50 things all at once, right? Let's, at let's, least. At least, <laughs> at yeah, least. let's be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this also allows me to experiment a lot, right? So you just need to break down, you know, what, how can I build this growth engine? What type of fuel can I put into this? How can I make this work and continue to have, you know, the, the growth that we need to, you know, to basically be a startup. A startup means that you're growing at exponential rates, more or less. So we, at one point I realized like, okay, maybe it's just about, you know, the larger problem, not about the product, not about how we on onboard people. It's about what you mentioned, like what is our ICP, you know, how people talk about us because the wording that we're using on the page is not exactly what people describe, exactly what people describe about the product. So I went, you know, I've read so much, but the one that, you know, was the recent one and clicked most with me was an article about how Superhuman tried or found their product market fit. As a startup, this is the first step. You need to have product market fit. And after that, you can add, you know, the marketing engine that, you know, Yep. channels so on and so forth but first you need to have product market fit it, to understand your icp who's who is a larger audience yeah. and claudio for those that don't know who or what superhuman is i don't want them thinking that this is a superhero so just kind of briefly <laughs> explain what super superhuman is <laughs> yeah it's basically an email app right that's offers some extra features that they're basically geared at least you know after they pivot not pivoted you know improved towards busy people like ceos executives so on and so forth to allow them to go over the email faster and you know improve that time you spend on on email so that's their their main goal uh, basically so superhuman yeah. is basically an email, email client at the end of the day yeah if you're getting like more than 75 emails a day this might be something you probably want to look into and, and test out Okay, so yeah. you read this. You read this case study by the founder of Superhuman, and uh, what was he? What was he saying in, in this in this article? So the question he presented the whole methodology. So as any good marketer out there, I just stole the methodology and applied it in my case. But the the main idea here is that in order for you to actually let me go back a bit to find product market fit, it's not a black or white kind of situation as I found it. <laughs> it's more of a spectrum. It's, you know, you'll have, you know, KPIs or metrics that you would look into and say like, okay, we have product market fit, but at the same time, you don't really feel it, feel it. I mean, you see like, okay, we're targeting, we're, we're building what we think will solve a problem, but it's not really that thing. So it's always a spectrum. So what they did, they've sent a, a survey that had a couple of questions, but the most important question was about, you know, how the user will feel if they wouldn't use superhuman anymore. So the questions sound something like, how would you feel if you wouldn't use ArchB anymore? Some, somewhere along those lines. And you have three yeah. questions. Uh, two, I love that question because you get, you, get, you get the true fans of your product. Yeah. yeah. And, you put, and you put the person in, in the context of thinking, hey, okay, do I want to use this app? Should I use this app? I mean, yeah. it changes the mindset when you address this question. And I've heard this after I've sent the survey and went on some calls with some customers. Some of them were like, what was that email about? Are you closing down the business? I mean, it, it really puts them in a, in a uh, in interesting, at least, <laughs> state of mind. Like, what, what's that about? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so it's, it's a really powerful question. That's what I'm trying to say. So you have these three answers, very disappointed, somehow disappointed and not at all. 
Mm-hmm. And after that, you have some follow-up questions. Depends on you know anybody else that wants to run the survey. Something like, what is the main benefit of ArchB that you would find? Secondly, what type of people do you think would benefit from ArchB? And usually, this is an open question. They would usually identify with the with the job description, job function that they add here. It's an open open text question, but they usually mm-hmm. would write something that's related to them. So instead of asking them, like, what's your job title, which you should already know by then. <laughs> You ask them like what yeah. what is the yeah what is the larger audience that you think will benefit and finally something like what do you think we could improve on on the product there are multiple questions that you can ask but these are the four ones that I've I've sent so after that okay like any other survey it's great we have data what do you do with it so that's that's where I think this framework really helped at least part of my activities as a marketer because I took the answers and of course you'll have you know random answers there, but somehow a benchmark would be like, if you have 40% of the users would actually be very disappointed, you've Mm -hmm. kind of hit product market fit because that's almost half of the user base, right? So if half of your user base is actually very disappointed, if they wouldn't use RGP, it means that you're basically, you know, doing something good. And the people that are using the product are, are the ones that you actually want. But what happens in a startup is that you don't have 40%. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say that. <laughs> Realistically, you have... you're probably, what, 10 to 20% maybe? Yeah, around 20%. At least that's, you know, based on all the users that have replied to this survey. Uh, yeah. through the survey. And in my case, it was around 20 something percent, right? Okay. Which is more or less similar to what it was in that article with Superhuman. And I was like, great, what do we do from here? And they, in the article, they explain like, okay, but you need to segment. And this is like a marketing thing, right? You always need to segment. So what I did was, okay, we we kind of know what is our ICP. We did some research in the past about this. We know that, you know, product managers, technical writers, maybe developers, you know, will exclude founders because founders need to do everything. So that's not yeah. really our ACP, ICP. So let's yeah. look at these job titles. And when I filtered just by those job titles, the very disappointed percent actually went up. So we were around 40%. So it yeah. means that, you know, our assumption about the ICP might be correct. So okay. yeah, maybe we should target product managers, technical writers, developer relationship specialists, mainly the person, a person that's hired to connect with developers when you're building a developer tool, right? So that's more a niche thing, but they're, yeah. they're, in, they're into documentation a lot. So, okay, that's great. But what I did next, I mean, again, product market fit, it's a spectrum. You know, you can look at the data, say you have it, you don't have it, but that at least the way I've used the data, I would say, okay, if these are with these job titles, I actually kind of reach that 30% mark benchmark. Let's look at what the benefits are for them and what do they want to improve? What they want to improve, I'll just send to the product and guys, we need to work on this, consider this, let's see what we can do. It seems like this- yeah, 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 I love that because you're instead of like having this laundry list of of improvements that you could make, right? And even even requests by by other customers, you're just you're just really sort of segmenting the improvements that really matter to your mm-hmm. ICP there. So that's that's fantastic. So now you're sharing this data with your team. What's been the result? Or when did you do this? Like how long ago with ArchB? Two months ago, I think. It's, it, okay. it, it's actually really, really recent. And I think, I think actually it, the, the survey is ongoing now. <laughs> I mean, we, we have, we got so much value yeah. that we're sending it uh, two or three months after somebody signs up with the product. So we give them two months 
two or three yeah. months to you know get into the product after they they purchased a subscription and after okay. that we send them the survey ongoing you know we initially i thought it was a one-time thing but yeah. it's too much value <laughs> to not send it <laughs> yeah yeah and it yeah. How has this changed what you're doing from a marketing standpoint, Claudio? Yeah. So I've looked at the benefits. So I had four questions, right? One was the segmenting question. Are you mm -hmm. disappointed? How would you feel if you wouldn't use the platform? The one regarding how we can improve is for product, but the other two uh, benefits and what other people can actually benefit from this. I used, I used though, I used that information to build a new landing page, which was addressing more the audience or the, yeah, the audience, let's say, not necessarily the ICP, that actually resonated and was, was very disappointed if they, knew they didn't use yeah. Archby. So I just filtered, kind of built some mental, not mental, I codified, you know, because it's open text, it means I got a lot of, you know, random things, but yeah. I read every, each one of them, I codified them. Okay, so it means that for these, for these users, you know, publishing is the most important feature. For these ones, the writing experience is the most important feature. So I, I, I've basically did a count on how many times on this codified column that I've built I had, and I've just translated that into three new sections on the homepage, on, on the page that was addressing exactly the main things that they were seeing. And what I did was not to write about those things myself, was just, I just copy pasted some of the things <laughs> that they said <laughs> and added and, you know, expanded. I, I, I love it. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I always feel like, hey, the best copywriters are those that just look at the uh, the comments and the reviews by their by their customers and use yeah, not necessarily verbatim, but sometimes you can use it verbatim, word for word, what they're saying. You know. Yeah. Okay. So is this the homepage that you're describing? Because when I went to your homepage, it did look yeah. like a lot of the copy and text on there. It was like in this friendly handwritten font, but it looked like those were things that customers had said about the product. Is that? It's, it's another homepage. homepage. I'm running some ads. So the way we actually iterate on messaging and, you know, what we add to the homepage uh -huh. is I'm running ads to the audiences that we think will resonate with this. And I'm sending them to the, this landing page. I can share it with you. And, you know, it, it's a lot different than, than the homepage and see what happens from there. Are we getting okay. more engagement? Are we getting more conversions from, from that compared with the, the, the previous version? So before we update the homepage, we're basically iterating by, and by the way, I've also used the same wording, not the same, you know, similar wording in the ads. Definitely yeah. much more engagement. <laughs> I mean, compared with the ones that I was reading, I, I, I wrote. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. definitely more engagement. It resonates. And I, I want to mention this. We were actually reviewing some of the inter calls that we had with clients and just to pick the keywords that they were using. Yeah. They use, like the keywords are so different. Documentation, CMS, Knowledge Hub. I mean, oh. even, in, you know, there, there's so many ways they address this because each company has a different knowledge management problem, right? Knowledge These, Hub. Knowledge Hub will resonate so well with US, with users in the US. Because that is a common term that was commonly used as like a central platform for document sharing and knowledge sharing. So yeah, mm -hmm. Knowledge Hub would definitely resonate for people in the US. That's yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that you mentioned this because there, the, I, I felt at one point that there's a gap, you know? Yeah. I mean, we can talk in English. I have a good understanding of the language, but the nuances are pretty yeah. different. I mean, we're, and the way... You know, we want to describe the platform yeah. doesn't necessarily, you know. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I never do this, Claudio. I never, I, I pl- what I mean never do is I never plug in the company I'm working for or a client or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that you can do with personalization is that you can have different messaging based on where the user is coming from based on IP, right? So if you have like different messaging that resonates with US visitors, then you can simply have that headline appear. What did you want it to say for visitors from the US versus maybe from the UK versus other countries in Europe? And that's something that OptiMonk that you can do mm-hmm. with the platform and OptiMonk because it's a personalization platform. So a couple of the questions. So before and after, before you started running these experiments, what was like, what sort of lift or difference are you seeing from the new landing page in terms of the conversion main- rates? Like sign up it, rates. It, that's exactly it. It's the percentage of signups. And it's complicated because <laughs> You know, you see the the conversion rate improving. We yeah. have three and a half percent now from two and a half or something. So there's a big improvement. But the number of signups are necessar- not necessarily growing. So, you know, it, it, when you show this to somebody, it's like, yeah, but did we actually improve? Well, the idea is that not all the time you can get more signups, but you can get better signups at the exactly. end of the day. So yeah. because this will, you'll see this, you know, in a month or two, because, you know, they will get better qualified, pre-qualified, I would rather say, will get yeah. into the product and you'll see the results later than now. But now what I can show you is that we just improved the conversion rate, not necessarily the yeah. number, because at the yeah. end of the day, how many product managers and technical writers are in the world? You know, there are so yeah. many. How many can well, you convert? Yeah, to? yeah. Yeah, what's going to matter is the retention aspect. How many of those people are actually staying on long and actually are are addressing that question as, yes, I would be greatly disappointed if I can no longer use ArchB. Okay, a few more questions. Um, So what do customers really love about ArchB? I know there was a few different things that that they like, but what is like the number one value that they get from it? I spent months trying to answer this question. (laughs) But the, the main you know, thing about RHP is the editor. It's really modern compared with the other, you know, documentation tools you yeah. have there or collaborative tools like, you know, Notion, Confluence, so on and so forth. But even recently I've talked with a client and it's more about the experience, which is like, so, <laughs> you know, how can you translate that into, you know, yeah, yeah, we have a better experience or something. But actually this this is a really recurring thing. Like it's a combination of how easy it is to write, how simple it is to use if you don't want to use advanced features, but we do have advanced features, but that's so well built so well built in into the product. Yeah. Only the ones that need them can you know will 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 get there. Yeah. So I'll say the editor, but it's you know the experience. I mean a- anybody from technical and non-technical can I, I have can to agree with you on that. When I first saw it, I saw like a video of it. And, uh, and I, my first thought was, oh, anybody who loves or likes Notion is going to love mm-hmm. this. That was the first thing that was in my head. I use Notion. I think, I think mm-hmm. it's pretty cool, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't love it, but there's a lot of people who love it, you know? Yeah. And I thought, when I saw your product, I'm like, oh man, anybody who loves Notion is going to, is going to love this. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. Okay. A couple of questions before we go here. If I were to give you $10,000 to help grow ArchB. In some way, where would you spend that money, Claudio? I'm happy to have a good budget for for the marketing <laughs> activities, but <laughs> if I had an extra ten thousand dollars, I would use them for an event. You know, of course, we have some, you know, for the classical channels, paid channels. Okay. But if I had an extra, I would just, you know, use the, that money to go to an event because I know my ICP. I know exactly what type of events I would look for, and I would 
I wouldn't use the money to get the booth or something like that, but okay. you know, you'll have the expenses to get there and join okay. the conference, but cool. maybe I'll, you know, set up something for, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to some people and maybe prepare, invite them to a nice dinner. And I'll, you know, out of those, that $10,000, I'll just, you know, pay for the dinner and, you know, get some people to, to really connect, not necessarily like have a booth and, you know, yeah. hope that yeah. somebody will stop by and <laughs> stuff like okay. that. But that's what I would do with $10,000. So that, and that money will allow me basically to go to any, no matter how large the event is, you can do this with $10,000. You know, you have some expenses with the travel and yeah. paying for a dinner, you know, shouldn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that, Other, yeah. Okay, cool. Other question for you. What is a lesser known tool or app that is bringing you a lot of value. This could be a Chrome Most, extension, or it could just be like a tool you use all the time. But yeah, that's a great question. But the the less the real lesser known are usually like some Google Sheets type of thing that automatically does something for you. Huh? There's a import from Web a Google Sheet add-on that I've recently used, and okay. it was really cool because I was trying to improve the copy for some ads for Google search, basically. And I just wanted to scrape the, the search results for a specific keyword. And this okay. add-on allowed me to add a keyword and they were they scraped the title and the description. And what I did, I just took <laughs> those titles, mixed them up real good and uh, generate my own copy, basically, <laughs> based on the existing search results. And the reason I did that is if Google you know, ranks those pages, it means that the keyword that I want to pay for to get traffic will have the will match the intent if that makes sense right so if yeah. you're going to use the same wording and stuff like that you're going to get a better you know keyword to add copy match and okay yeah. so the, the name of this extension is import like from web it's it's just like that import from web it's a google sheets add-on i can uh okay no, import from web after We'll yeah. include it in the call notes. So I guess if you're doing some some research and maybe you go to like, I don't know, a website that had maybe even a competitor, you can use this tool and it's going to, you put in a keyword and it'll show you import all, all of the, the copy related to that keyword or surrounding that keyword. They have multiple use cases, but the one that I've used is just that, just scraping Google search results for, for, okay. uh, for a keyword. But I, I saw they have other use cases. But I was trying to build this myself and I saw like, oh, this is an interesting tool. <laughs> All right. I think I need to try that out. All right. Last question for you, Claudio. Something weird that you obsess about. Something weird that you obsess uh, about. <laughs> I think the best person to answer this question is probably my wife. <laughs> but Mine too. Uh, probably... <laughs> I like my obsessions, so I <laughs> I don't have the power to recognize that I obsess over something. But I think I think I have the, my setup, so I can work from anywhere, like, like many others can in this industry. But when I'm home, I want to have my setup. I have two external monitors. I have my keyboard. I have my pad. You know, <laughs> it's it's my setup. I'm kind of obsessing. I actually I'm sharing this with you know. I just said like you know this is my desk. You're not going to touch it. Yeah, but I need to clean it. No, <laughs> I'm going to clean it. <laughs> this is mine. Yeah, I okay. think that's that's what I obsess about, my setup. Okay, very, very cool. Hey, Claudio, thank you for being on Innovators Collab. I will include links to this interview in the show notes, including links to ArchB. You can also catch this interview on YouTube. Just look up Innovators Collab on YouTube. And if you like it, tell others about it. That's how we go. For everybody listening, until next week, la revedere. 
for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks.